This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Eldorado Gaming. Eldorado Gaming is your site for gifts and gaming accessories like dice, playmats, and other items to bling out your games. Use the promo code META for 10% off your order. Find us on YouTube at Eldorado Gaming TX or our home site at eldoradogaming.com. Here at My Mythical Meta, we talk about gaming with friends and strangers, resolving conflicts, and keeping game nights fun, interesting, and recurring. Our game of choice is Magic the Gathering, but our hope is that what we share is relevant for board gamers, RPG groups, video gamers, and maybe even your poker night. I'm Travis, and with my brother Benjamin and my friends Derek and Randy, we've been playing Magic together since 2014. The secret to a healthy meta is not in the game you play, it's being good friends. Subscribe to My Mythical Meta, presented by Eldorado Gaming, wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening, welcome back to My Mythical Meta, my name is Travis, and I'm joined this week by the entire crew, all four members of the My Mythical Meta team are here. I've got my brother Benjamin. Hello. And my two best friends, Derek. Hey. And Randy. Howdy. All right. This week, we have a special edition episode for you. This entire episode is... News. News. From, from the Warfront. War Breaking. Breaking news. We have seen posts like this one for many, many weeks. And this one just looked uh, well-written clean, easy to refer back to, short and simple and to the point. So our topic today is about making and breaking deals. Now this post is from our EDH, our Magic the Gathering subreddit, but it is a really wide topic that affects lots and lots of games. It says, how do you all feel about players making deals and agreements in an EDH game? Is this fair play? What about betraying a deal or breaking it? Again, this was in our Magic subreddit, so there are some specific Magic-based questions. It asks, does the power level of the decks matter? Do you discuss making deals before a game? It says, curious what everyone thinks. As far as I'm aware, there are no official rules allowing or disallowing deals. And it asks, how would a judge rule? Have you guys ever had somebody break a deal in a game? Yes. I mean, I guess we should get to the elephant in the room. Let's get to it. Okay, so let me paint the picture. <laughs> Randy's playing on a Robo deck, which that came out in 2017, so this must have been like 2018. I don't remember the specifics, but I made a deal with Randy saying, hey, I'll help you beat Travis, because I think Benjamin was knocked out at this time, or maybe it was just the three of us. I'll do this for you if you don't attack me next turn because I would be leaving myself wide open. He says, sure. And so I was able to, I, I think, cripple Travis, and then it got to Randy's turn, and he's like, ah, oh, listen. <laughs> I, I got to do this. I got to take my shot. Because he saw that he, he was able to kill both of us at the same time. And so he broke his word. And what, five years later, here we are, making a podcast <laughs> episode about it? Six, almost seven years later. I felt bad at the time. And I was he's made new. up for it since then. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was new to playing Magic, and I was like, I mean, it's it's right there. It was open. I think I remember breaking a deal. 
many years ago. I think I was using my Atraxa Poison deck, and I think Randy had made me promise not to attack him, but then by the end of somebody's turn, he was the only player left. Oh, I think I do remember that. I was like, I can't just let you sit there. I mean, for you a could. Turn. You could. No. If you're a man of honor. That's right. <laughs> No, so I went ahead and ended that game. <laughs> and then I think of the very next game, I was like, okay, Randy, here's your free shot. Come I get me back. I also think I remember that, yeah. Anyway, we made the mistake. We grew from it. We learned our lesson. It felt awful whenever I went back on my word and attacked Derek. A couple things that I want to get out in the open for this particular podcast episode. The purpose of this podcast, My Mythical Meta's Aim, is to help people who struggle with the social dynamics of gaming. So, the advice that we give is going to be tailored to that aim. We want to help gamers have fun, make friends, and to want to play together again in the future. All of our episodes have been tailored with that goal in mind. Helping people who don't quite understand certain social dynamics. With that in mind... I always feel weird when I see posts like this. People asking if it's okay to be a jerk. Like, that's what it looks like to me, right? A little bit. People asking, you know, is it okay if I go back on my word, if I break a promise? You know, it was only a game. It, it just seems like people are seeking for justification for a bad action. Making deals is part of our everyday life. It's not just a game thing that happens in lots of multiplayer games where there's only one winner, but we make promises to coworkers, friends, romantic partners. This is a normal thing of being in a society, and we, we expect others society. to keep promises made to us, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We live in a society. <laughs> we live in a society. We live in a we society. Make, we make promises, and then we stick to them. So when promises are broken, there may not be a, a rule or a law about it, but we have to deal with the consequences of them. And those consequences are broken trust. This post reads to me like someone who's looking for an excuse to break their promises by saying, hey, it was just a game. And we here at My Mythical Meta, we believe that honoring your promises is important because that's what good behavior looks like. That's what good social participation looks like. Yeah. Like I said, there are lots of multiplayer games that include deal-making. There are your beginner board games, like Settlers of Catan, that have codified it as part of the game of how to make trades and deals, and it even gives some suggestions. And Benjamin, you might... You might remember, isn't there like a specific part of your turn where you can make deals? Yeah, so you have to it's roll... It's like you can only make trades on your turn or something like that? You can only propose trades on your turn, and you can propose trades to the person whose turn it is. You obviously can't trade okay. with other people when it's... Like, if it's Randy's turn, you and I can't make any trades. We can okay. talk to the person whose turn it is, and they can talk to anybody. Right. But, but yeah, that's... That's the yeah. So rule. there are some games that codify this because they want to encourage it. They want to say this is part of the game and how we want to portray this particular aspect of the game. So they'll encourage deal making. But there are others that don't. Games like Risk. This is a game that doesn't have any deal making or political rules in it. 
The only rules in Risk are about combat and and taking control of countries. But if it's a multiplayer free-for-all game, then people are going to make deals. They're going to take sides. You know, games like Monopoly have deals and trade-making. And I put Smash Brothers. This is a game that comes up a lot in our podcast because we grew up doing it. But if it's a four-player game and we realize after five minutes that one person still has five stocks, me and Derek saying, hey, we need to team up and not fight each other for a minute until we until we get Steven's stock down. Like, that's deal-making. We just did it. And I'm going to be a real jerk if I start shooting missiles at Derek from behind while he's fighting <laughs> Steven. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of that. So games like these are often self-policing. It's going to rely on the players to do the enforcement of rule-breaking consequences. One thing I wanted to add here is that there aren't board game or card game police going around to check on how people are playing their game. Maybe there should be. <laughs> the, the... Spikes in your house. Are you following the rules? <laughs> Man, that would be great, wouldn't it? Because all the times we got the rules of pandemic wrong, <laughs> they busted down the door and said, pandemic police, we're here. You missed an infection step. <laughs> Like, don't worry, we're still losing. <laughs> there are not board game or card game <laughs> police out there keeping track of how you play your games. The only police is your own conscience and the other people in your game with you. Yep. Breaking promises might not break quote-unquote rules, or even in real life, it doesn't, you know, if it's just a... If it's just me and Derek hanging out, there's no legal repercussion for me breaking a promise to him. But I do still have to deal with the consequences of my actions. Those are some things that I wanted to get off my chest. That our goal here at this podcast is to encourage people to keep their promises. That's our official stance. I can think of times where it, it comes up. And in fact, Travis, you already mentioned one. If the deal results in me not attacking you when you're the last person standing, then deal's off. Yeah. Right? So I think we'll, we'll probably get to some of that. But... Yes, our official stances do the things that make game night fun and don't make deals you don't mean. But I think I think as we develop this conversation, I bet we'll come up with lots of exceptions. Because you and I disagree on that. I, I have, on multiple occasions, made deals with people where that would result in us being the last people standing. And I won't attack. Does that give you? Well, a I only did it once, yeah, yeah. and then now I think I I think I word my deals more carefully now. Yeah. Right. And and we'll get to that too. We'll get to in inviting the devil into your deal making. <laughs> so Randy, hit us with your main point. Play as if you wanted to be invited back and play in a way that you want others to want to like come back. So yeah. the reason I add that second part is like, yes, okay, I went back on a deal once, but I had a situation one time in college playing a game of Risk with Derek and his roommate Clint. And they had been playing Risk, you know, they're roommates. And so they had been playing Risk and they invited me over. And I was like, uh, okay, fine. And so I'm the new person to the game. They've been playing. They know more about it. I don't remember at any point in the game having any kind of upper hand, but they pretty much said that as as soon as I died, they just looked at each other and went, truce. No, we said diplomacy and we shook hands. Diplomacy <laughs> and they shook hands. My bad. 
And it felt like, oh, so this was just to invite me over to kick me? We found cool. common common ground in having a a safe, peaceful Earth. And I think that's, that's a I think that's a quality that's worth fighting fine. for. That's fine, but I have never played Risk again. And I never will. So that's you fair. know. So that's, what, a way, that's not a way to play if you want someone to come back. Yeah, so what it was, is it wasn't just you. We had other people there. I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, I think my other roommate was there, and maybe like one more person or whatever. And, uh, another person who was in on it. Okay. No, no oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, a, it was a free-for-all until we started getting down or whatever, and I think Randy was holed up in like japan or something and just had like a stupid high i think you had like 80 troops in japan or something is that sound familiar i have no idea i don't remember because after that game ended i burned it from my memory oh if that if that's true then why are we talking about it now i, I remember the game i remember the betrayal that i felt because we don't I always was remember like, what was like... said but we remember the way it made us feel Derek. yeah 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 <laughs> So anyways, so Clint and I had teamed up to kick him out of Japan because I, like, I could stay on one territory, he, he could stay on the other, and we could both attack Japan at the same time. And I think at that point, Clint and I just kind of felt like, I don't think we ever talked about it. We just had decided, hey, it's uh, like 3 o'clock in the morning. It's time for this to be over. Oh, how convenient. Yeah, it's very convenient. <laughs> Y'all couldn't have done a peace treaty when I was alive. No. Well... It's hard to it's hard to make peace with three people, two people, who knows? <laughs> you could have just said, "Hey, want to end the game peacefully?" Yeah, sure. It's three in the morning, apparently. I think we've talked a lot about being respectful and constructively voicing criticism over the past few episodes. In fact, for probably for the since the very beginning, and obviously our meta has changed. We're we're sitting here talking about things from from college things from 2017 we've learned from these experiences and realized that's not the way we want to play and the way we, we want to be and we've changed and that's an example of how a meta can change over time when people actually care about playing with each other and being invited back and all of that i mean it's the golden rule type situation i feel like you gotta you know treat people how you want to be treated you need to not be annoying and awful you know if you if you break any promises or offers whatever people are going to remember you as that kind of thing and you got to you got to give some to get some and i guess i guess it being respect (laughs) r-e-s-p-c-t yeah a healthy meta is one that is not bound to a single game or even a single session every session is an investment in the next one and each session is going to contribute to your overall reputation. A meta is a long-term agreement, not a single game. And so the actions that you take each game are going to affect the way you're remembered the next time. When you keep deals, people are going to remember that. They're going to remember that you're trustworthy and honorable. And you're going to find that people are going to be more willing to make deals with you again in the future if you stick to deals throughout the course of a night. When you break them, people will remember exactly that. And like I said, we've been playing for almost a decade, and we can still remember the three or four situations where somebody broke a deal with us. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I I, certainly couldn't sit here and name all of the deals we've made over the past eight years that have panned out. 
I I can't think of any, which is funny because I know we make deals. Yeah, we 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 make deals all the time, but when we break them, God, that's gonna stick out like a sore thumb. That's the vocal minority, and people are gonna remember you as Machiavellian, scheming, cruel. They're gonna remember a deal breaker as a liar, because that's exactly what they've done, mm-hmm. and. We have spoken before, I think this was our Session Zero episode, about how we don't play with liars or cheaters. Once we have discovered that someone is a liar or a cheater, all future games are off. Yeah. And then we deal with it in the parking lot. <laughs> put your Put your hands up. <laughs> and then we, uh, we go through their deck and steal all their, <laughs> steal all their mana crypts. And I'll spit on them before we leave. <laughs> so, you know, this... Post has been up for a couple of days, and there is a cluster of comments that are discussing how we should behave if we are only at the game shop for one night. If these are strangers that we might never see again. And there are people saying, hey, if I don't break a deal, I'm leaving value on the table. You know, I'm here to win. And Ugh. and I expect I expect everybody else to be playing to win. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that doesn't that comment make you feel Slimy? Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Just the lengths people will go to win something with no stakes. Exactly. Like, to me, just a pleasant gaming experience. Why would I lie to somebody for... To me, it's no reason. Why would I lie to somebody for no reason? You know, I think that, that there... You know, there's a class of games where tricking people is the point, right? Liar's Dice. Yeah. For example, there's like one night werewolf yeah. games, you know, where you is, gotta find out who's the imposter. Dice, the thing from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Was it a real? Th- yes. Is it a real? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. You want me to teach you sometime? Uh, sure. It, it's a really easy game. There's a older version of it called Bluff. I think that's the same. It is in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, and we have the dice. I can teach you how to play. Eldorado Gaming has premier metal dice and other gaming accessories. That's right, and I I bring the metal ones every time we play. You can find great gaming accessories at eldoradogaming.com, and if you use the promo code META, you can get 10% off your order. What? I need to buy some of these new green and, like, dragon scaly dice that we have. What do we call those? Yeah, we haven't named them yet. We need to get the pictures up. Yeah. Maybe I'll use promo code META to get 10% off my order. Anyways, we can use those dice to play Liar's Dice, but the point is, the whole point of that game is to lie about what you have you know there's poker poker is is half lying right or at least acting Mm -hmm. like you have things you don't have and there's any number of games that are like that and and magic actually has a a great deal of bluffing in it sure so so because because the game has hidden information right exactly and so with that as kind of the backdrop i think the people who are saying hey it's a game and I can do what I need to win, I think that they think of themselves as not lying, but as using another available resource. They say it's politics. Hey, if you if it wasn't gonna if the deal wasn't gonna help you, if letting me do something wasn't gonna help you, you shouldn't have done it regardless of what I said. Right? If I convinced you to let me do it, then you know, I won that bit of politicking. Yeah. I don't know that, that I agree with that, but I think, I mean, I think that's something we need to address here is why is that the wrong attitude for a one night game? 
like let's say I'm I'm visiting San Angelo for the weekend and I'm never going sure. back. Why shouldn't I try to win? I mean, if you could sleep at night being a man of no honor, then you do what you got to do. <laughs> See, I I really feel like that's kind of the direction that I would go also. I think what Derek said is right in line with my beliefs there. The quality of my win is just as important as whether I won at all. And I, I don't know. I don't like lying or tricking in order to win. I, I want people to go home that night saying, wow, I really liked that stranger we played with yeah he had an interesting deck and he was really nice i don't want somebody to be talking on their podcast in five (laughs) years about this jerk that they met and they're so glad that he wasn't a regular yeah yeah i I also feel like if i can't trust you in a game with no stakes i don't know it kind of almost makes your moral character like into question like i know it's just a game but can i trust you or are you going to throw me under the bus as soon as you get an advantage in some kind of a scenario or in life or whatever right yeah yeah we mentioned that in the past too is like somebody who will lie or cheat in a game with no stakes will probably lie and cheat about other stuff too yep because there was nothing to get from it besides the thrill of winning yeah absolutely and I think the the thrill of winning should not justify breaking any sort of moral code or value. Now, you we've mentioned this before where, you know, the games with no stakes is where you can decide to test things, right? We we play video games and and shoot people and and stab enemies <laughs> yeah. and all that, and that doesn't make us bad people because they were choosing to do that in a game. And so sure. I think there's there's the argument to be made and I'm not certainly I'm certainly not making that argument because I don't agree with it but there's the argument to be made that within the confines of a game that your moral decisions aren't actually that important precisely because there are no stakes right you play to win because winning is what the game is about okay and that's when we do it now my response to that would be exactly what you've already said which is the ultimate purpose of a game is to be with people and have fun and winning is a is secondary to having fun and if your win feels bad if it's tainted by the fact that an out of game mechanic like me telling you i will do this for you if you do this for me and you agreeing to it and then didn't stick to that means that you didn't win on your own you won because i made a suboptimal decision that you lied or finagled your way into right it's not like you out you didn't outsmart me, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't the game or the game's mechanics or the game's pieces that beat me. Yeah. And it wasn't you and your deck building and your strategic maneuvering. It was you saying something that would have been strategically advantageous for me and probably for both of us if you had kept it, but you decided to just say, oh, no, it's all mine, right? This is Prisoner's Dilemma, ultimately. Yeah. Whoever's the first person to make a move in a deal is relying on the unknown second person, whether or not they're going to keep their deal. And so it, it goes back to, even if it's a one-time thing at a local gaming store that you will never go back to, it does have an effect, right? You will continue to, to keep that mindset in situations where it's not a one-night thing. You'll tell stories of your wins to other people, and they'll they'll take mental note that, okay, I can't I can't make a deal with you. Right? And if you're not being honest about how you won, then it has gone outside the game. You are now just a liar. You're not just a liar in the game. If you're telling the story to your buddy when you get back, hey, I, I went to this game this game store and I played with my Crush the Blood deck or whatever, 
and I totally stomp these people, you know, and you neglect to mention that, well, and that person chose not to attack me because we thought, because I tricked them into thinking somebody else was the enemy and that we, and we made a deal that I then broke, right? You're either being honest about that because you only lie in the game, in which case it is having an effect on future games with other people, or Mm -hmm. you're lying about it, meaning the lying is no longer still in the game. It's outside of the game and you are actually dishonorable. I, I think that would be my response is that there's no such thing as just in the game. And there's no such thing as only being dishonest with real people in a game, right? So, for example, we've, we've talked many times about, hey, when you go to a, to a tournament or you're being competitive in, in an environment that, hey, no holds barred, go do whatever, right? But the fact that I play in a tournament does affect how I play with y'all. Mm-hmm. It affects the cards I have access to. It might affect my willingness to enter into a deal or or the or things like that. And it changes how y'all see me. And it's the same thing when I go play at an LGS that I may never go back to. It is affecting the rest of my life in, you know, small ways, but it builds up, right? And if you if you're someone who believes in justice, you know, cosmic justice, like karma or 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 things like that, then maybe it affects you in a more tangible way. But even if you don't believe in that, it's it's going to affect you in in subtle ways, either through your personality and how you're growing as a person or in how your friends treat you. This is going to sound like a meme now, but I have a philosophy minor. And <laughs> one of my professors said this old story about inside each of us, there are two beasts. Two wolves. Two wolves. Two. You know, one is <laughs> one is good and one is evil. And the and you know the young man, the the scout, the you know whatever asks which one wins this fight, which one is is the winner. And the guru, chieftain, grandpa, whatever it is in the story, he says it's the one you feed. Yep. Okay. The actions that you take will feed one of those beasts, one of those wolves. And if you take dishonorable actions, even just in a game, you are feeding that beast. And you are going to think it's okay. And then a little later, you're going to think it's okay again. And then maybe there's just a little bit of stake. Maybe it's, it, you know, a $5 booster pack was on the line for the winner. Well, it's, it's going to come in there. Well, you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get off 30 minutes early, so I made a deal with a coworker, And then I went back on it and just left him out to dry. Like... Those things are going to start building up if you think it's okay for small things. Mm-hmm. People can disagree, but that is a philosophical stance that, that I believe in and adhere to. That whenever we do actions, those actions will latch on. Well, they will latch on to our conscience and affect our future actions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, uh, I guess I should put like a little asterisk by i'm a man of my word and i feel like everyone else should be but if we have a session zero uh, because i I remember uh, like a specific time where i played a game called diplomacy which is a lot (laughs) about risk but it's 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 a much more simplified combat yes and it's more about the politics of it yeah benjamin you've you've done diplomacy right have you played this game once and i and i have it yeah, if y'all ever want to play it, I have it on my shelf. I haven't played it in years, but I would be down for it because it was a lot of fun. Because we didn't know who the other people are because it was all hidden names oh. and we used fake email addresses. Whoa, that's uh, cool. So this was like yeah. this was online. <laughs> 
So it was. It yeah, was really I think cool. I remember this. Is this when we lived together, Derek? I think so. Yeah. And you were like, "There's two days between rounds, or something." Yes. And you ha- and you have that time to call people up and or not call, but email. Yeah, them and email and them directly and make deals that's and amazing. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but kind of the part of that game is is kind of like you know you need to know when to break your deals so that way you can get out on top because you won't. I mean, it's supposed to be more like you know actual politics. It's like you can't honor every deal. You have to kind of fib every once in a while. So if we're all on board before the game even starts, that that's like, hey, we can make deals, but we can also break them if it, you know, whenever the time is right. I'm totally fine with that. It kind of makes it fun. It's like, oh, I don't know if I should trust you, and I really put my trust in you here or there. Please don't screw me over type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun if it is rule zeroed in. Like, we all know that that's the experience that we're yeah. signing up for. Yeah, yeah. And I said the same thing in our RPG etiquette episode when we were talking about player betrayals in a D&D group. Tell me ahead of time so that I can participate in the story. Right, yeah. I am really okay with a lot of stuff in in terms of games and gameplay and storytelling. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people who thinks that a lot of the Disney endings suck and that the original endings are really good. Where Mulan just dies and that's it. That's the end of the story. <laughs> Wait, spoilers. Uh, I thought she. I thought she ended up as a as a concubine to the emperor. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it's even it's even worse than. I, I don't know. It's, it's worse than <laughs> even death. worse yeah. than dying. Sleeping like, with an eight year old man by force. I do like I do like Chang's moment where he like lifts the sword against her in the snow, and then he says, you know, a life for a life. My debt is repaid. But there's another part of me who's like, hey. Give me the tragedy where he just chops her head off and that's that. So, like, I'm okay with a lot <laughs> in terms of gaming and storytelling, but just let me in on it. Let me in on the experience rather than, you know, trying to pull one over on me. Yeah. So for our next Magic game, can we all just be like, not only are we making the, are we breaking deals and that's okay and this doesn't count against us in the future, but we actually agree to break every deal. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Actually, as I think about it, I was like, man, you got now you got to trick people into deals that are good for them so that they have to do bad things. That does sound kind of fun. I mean, I I am stuck with the memory of the last time we played. What, like two days ago? The last session we had last Saturday where we all agreed that Benjamin's Zakama deck was a terrible danger. <laughs> uh-huh. It was. Yeah. I mean, literally, before we even started that game, everyone was like, let's get this game out of the way because we know Benjamin's going to win. Uh-huh. And he did. Yeah. And then I played a stacks piece that was keeping Benjamin's Zakama deck uh-huh. at bay. By giving you Zakama's ability. Well, it's like you hurt all of us. Uh, like, Had I used it a single time? You became Zakama. Randy, had I used Zakama's ability a single time? Yes. No, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> On one yep. of your things. <laughs> but you showed that it was cap- it was possible. And it cost me the full three uh-huh. mana to do it. I wasn't cheating or breaking any rules. Afterwards, I did feel like, hmm, maybe this wasn't but the it, best but, decision. But Randy <laughs> killed me, and then Benjamin Sakama deck yep. killed everybody else. Oh, it was so close, too. It was. I thought I was going to squeak one out. Did you get me down to one life or something? Something really close. I got you down so, so low, but then you were able to make infinite mana. Yep. It, it wasn't... I, I didn't care about your Limvala and Drana 
stack speech that Travis yeah. played that got the Sakama abilities, it was that damn white black enchantment that makes my creatures oh, ethereal. Yeah, absolution. minus one, minus one. That's my whole board. <laughs> yeah, giving Derek's creatures minus one, minus one was completely shutting him down. Yeah, I didn't expect it to be that backbreaking. Oh my god! But like, as soon as you were gone, that next turn was huge for me. Yeah. Like, that's when I played uh, Dockside Extortionist. I had just built the board out of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. So, Travis... Anyway, I bring that up because it felt like we had made an agreement to team up on Bitch. <laughs> and then, doing so left me open, and Randy killed me. And I even said, I was like, hmm, I regret this. Good. Yeah, I want no. I want you to feel that. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to complain about this one because I wasn't part of that deal. I think you made a good decision, Randy. Yeah. It wasn't a deal that I broke, but it was just, it was poor threat assessment. Like, threat assessment. And I'll go a step further, Randy. I'm not the one who killed you. Derek. Was it yes. me? Yeah. <laughs> well, I kill traitors. I don't know what to tell people. <laughs> Oathbreakers, they're dead to me. I was just stalling because I, I, I wasn't losing, but I was just stalling to get a card to remove that one card. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to bring that up <laughs> that I'll remember. I'm sorry. Y'all know I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so do we want to get to the fun part of this topic? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Huh. So the fun part of this topic is wording your deals. Being the evil genie who follows the exact letter of the deal. This can be really fun with friends. Especially in the case of Magic the Gathering. This is a game in particular that has a very comprehensive lexicon. A very specific vocabulary for lots of specific actions in the game. So words like destroy or kill, those words have a specific meaning in this game that are different than things like remove or exile. The word attack. I won't yeah. attack you. Well, that's a specific game action. And there are still other ways to knock somebody out of a game. Just through spells or combos of draining life or any number of interactions. Yeah, I won't destroy your commander, but I'll exile it. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. I mean, those are the ones that come to mind. There actually was a really funny comment. I want to give this person credit in the post. You, Penguin Jack. <laughs> he says, my friend made a deal not to attack me for a bit. <laughs> and he says, I figured that was at least one turn. So I made the deal. And then he took a 26-minute turn and then attacked me saying it's been a bit. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, well, you didn't pay me my 12 and a half cents or whatever a bit is. A bit? <laughs> <laughs> now, the that user, uh, he does say, I let him know that he set a precedent for the types of deals to make with that person in the future. That it needs to be incredibly specific, pedantic, you know... It has to be to the to the letter. Yeah. The letter of the law, not the spirit. I, I'm going to go on record here as the, the contract attorney who, who does all this stuff and say that I actually don't <laughs> don't like this. Really? Really? I don't, don't like, like it. That? Partially that's because, man, I, I do it all the time. You know, in, in real life. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to go to work right, when you're but playing. Partially, but also because... Uh, there, okay, there's two reasons I don't like it. One is it puts people at a disadvantage if they 
don't have a way with words, mm-hmm. if they don't yeah, know the, the complete lexicon, like you mentioned. So if I said, hey, I promise not to attack you. If you'll if you'll blow up Travis's soul ring, then I won't attack you, Randy. And Randy goes, okay, great. And he blows up the soul ring, and then I burn him with with Zakama, and he's like, why'd you, why'd you hit me with all that damage? And I was like, I didn't attack you, just like I said. If you don't realize that attack is a specific game term, then then it feels sure. the same as lying. That's the first part. The second reason I don't like it is because it makes you have to really, really pay attention to the deals. Like, if we're talking about honor and respect and truth, you know, <laughs> acting... <laughs> and now in the same breath, we're like, oh yeah, make sure to eke out every bit of right. value that you can. you know, sit there and... and and talk about destroy but not exile and sit th- I'm like that's not to me that's not any different from lying you're just you're just doing it more sneakily uh, from from a moral standpoint now obviously you didn't lie you you were you were sure. perfectly honest and they could have paid attention but uh, right it, to me I'm not yeah I will say that whenever I make deals and I'm on like the defensive end of the deal I'll usually say something like don't affect my board in any way whatsoever, and I'm still alive at the right. end of your turn. Yeah, that's the... <laughs> just, just like huge blanket statements. Don't that say, F with me. That say nothing should happen to me if I do right. this as thing. As far as you're concerned, I've played to freeze protection. Yeah. 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 Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> and I'm fine with... If you're on the defensive end, treating it like this, like I'm going to, I'm going to word the deal carefully so that I get what I want. I think that's fine. I just don't like the flip side of I'm going to word the deal carefully so that I can get out of it when things aren't the way I want them to be. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm in favor of it from the defensive end, and that's what I do as an attorney. It's just not what I, not how I want to, to win the game. To me, winning the game because I said I won't attack you and then I defeated you in some other way isn't any different from breaking a deal. But... If I have ultra clarified something so that the deal goes through as intended, I think that's that's great. Okay, I have I have a, a scenario for okay. you. Okay, yeah, let's do so it. so you did the that deal that you just said. The hey, you know, if you want to swing out and hit this person or whatever the deal is, it's like I want to attack you. Promise. Okay. But then you do something, you know, like magic has effects where it's like if you have so much life, you win. You know, like what? What if you then do an Randy alternate comes win in condition? with the scenario with the the life gain win condition? Well, that's because that's what I. He's know. like, well, well, this is something that could affect me in the future. So, well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, there's <laughs> alternate win conditions yeah. where it's like, okay, like let's say the person to your left, you want them to hit the person that's, that's going to go after them because that person's going to kill you. So, like, sure. A is going to kill B. So you want C to kill B. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, by saving yourself because someone else took care of your problem for you, you then go and like do an alternate wing condition. Like, I didn't attack you, but I did alternate wing. Randy, condition. I'm glad you brought this up. I, I did take an extra turn spell, and I had the thing <laughs> like on my turn. I played if on my upkeep, I win the game if I have so much life, and then I played an extra turn spell, and then I got my my, my next upkeep and I win. Yeah, it's like man, like you kind of tricked me still, but I mean, yeah, Randy, I, I'm glad you brought this up because. You kind of went into the the one exception I feel like exists to breaking deals, and I, I mentioned that we would come that it would come back around, and that is to me a deal is never a death pact. If you are going to kill me by following the deal, the deal's off. 
if you're going to win by following the deal, the deal's off. The whole point of a deal for me is that we have agreed to take out another player. We have agreed that we were going to mutually deal with some problem or whatever so that the game could continue for both of us. Sure. If I said I won't attack you and you said you won't attack me and that's our deal and you set up a Revel and Riches win, uh, Fellow of our, our Sovereign, or Thassa's Oracle, or any of those other ways that you can win, or you said you won't attack me and I won't attack you, but now you're you're hitting me with Zozu the Punisher or some other... Some other thing that can that can deal direct damage, uh, Sir Conrad, right? Those sorts of things. That's when I am perfectly okay saying you will win if I don't stop you. The deal's off, and I don't feel the least bit of qualms about that because you're winning with hidden information. And just like mm-hmm. you know, it's just like Lincoln said, right? The Constitution's not a death pact, and neither is a deal in magic. Yes, I remember those words from Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> right? Don't you remember? We we saw him live. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when he was on stage at uh, Grand Prix Richmond. <laughs> Here, I'm going to look it up because I don't because I'm pretty sure that was Lincoln. No, I trust you. You have a degree in government. He actually said a suicide yeah. pact. The Constitution is not a suicide pact, and the idea there is now I don't necessarily agree with this politically, but I'm just going to say that it's a common thing out there that basically if a constitutional restriction on government power would lead to the destruction of American society, then you can override the Constitution. That, that is a belief that exists, and Abraham Lincoln used it to suspend the, rate of, the writ of habeas corpus during the Civil War. The idea being, hey, there are, you know, there are Confederate spies in the Union. There are, there's all sorts of things that, you know, I'm, I'm arresting American citizens because it's a Civil War, right, etc., and mm-hmm. I can't let the Constitution prevent me from saving the Union, and so I'm going to do those things anyway, because the alternative is collapse of the of the U.S. as as we know it. I mean, he was honest, Abe. So I mean, I guess we just have to take it. Well, I was not expecting this <laughs> awesome U.S. history lesson. That was really cool. Yeah, but actually, now that I look at it, looks like maybe it was someone else, Robert Jackson. But whatever. <laughs> the point. The point is. Well, as I think about it, I don't think <laughs> no, he's not the first one who said it. Whatever. I can't find it. I I, I I remember that it was Abraham Lincoln, so it's Abraham Lincoln. This is our podcast and we are the experts. Right. If the constitution's not a suicide pact, neither is my my deal in a game of of magic. Right? I reserve the right. And and if y'all if y'all don't like this, I, you want to rule zero it, here's me telling you rule zero. If me honoring the deal means that you will kill me or win from from an alternate win condition, the deal's off. That's a that's a that's a boilerplate in all of our deals moving forward. Hey, you won't find any argument from me. I get it, but it's just one of those things where, like I said, your player A, player B takes out player C before they can kill you, and then it's like, well, now player B's like all tapped out for mana because they spent their whole turn, you know, prepping to kill C. No. And, and and what I'm saying, and then and then B is like, oh, I, I don't have any mana open left now to like stop you from doing your extra turns win, yeah. you know. So I'm like, well, uh, you know, I didn't, I did attack you, a little mischievous. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if I can't do anything about it, I can't do anything about it. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, I will honor the deals to the death. So I'm not gonna do what what Travis said he did, where it's like, oh, we're the only two people left, so I guess the deal's off. No, nope, deal's still on for me, until you go for the win. And then the deal's off. Yeah, self-preservation. Right, exactly. Self-preservation trumps the deal, and I think that's okay. 
Yeah, 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 that's fine. But I'm saying it's just like that person who got played has, I guess, like no time to like stop the person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. No. Well, the, the person who's going to win on their alternate win con condition, Derek, they're not giving, you know, they made the deal knowing that they were going to win a different way anyway, but they weren't going to survive if player B, uh, C or whatever was still in, in the game because, like, C was going to kill them with combat damage. So it's like, well, A makes a deal with B for B to kill C. And if it wasn't for B, A never would have had their next turn anyway. Mm-hmm. They would have been dead from C's combat damage. Yeah. And so it's, it's like, ah, oh, made a deal. And it just, I don't know. Yeah. I was just wanting your opinion. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would. I, I think I think you just got to roll with that. I don't know. The, I think there's a difference here between politicking with your friends and politicking with strangers. Mm-hmm. A stranger, I would feel, I don't know, a bit rankled if that happened. But also not a lot because the game's... Right, and it, and it was the whole point. Yeah. Like, you know when someone makes a deal, they're up to something. Yes, this is also true. Like, anytime anybody wants to make a deal with me, I start assuming and thinking about what cards they have in hand that are going to twist this around. Right. What do they have? What are they trying to protect by getting me on their side here? Yeah. So, yeah, I would be a little bit rankled, but if the game's ending and I'm like, well, I blew my resources taking out player C, and then player A won the next turn. What are you going to do? Yeah. That's showbiz. Yeah. I would say if you are going to be super pedantic about your deal making, especially in a game like Magic with a super uh, specific lexicon, prepare them ahead of time. Session zero. And tell them that that's one of the assumptions of your deal making in, in Magic. Because they will remember the first time you followed the letter of the law and not the spirit of the deal. They'll remember, just like, what was his name? Just like Penguin Jack said, you know, I'm going to remember that my friend set a uh, set a precedent about extremely specific, pedantic deal-making. And that's how I'm going to treat deal-making with that person again in the future. All right. With friends, I think it's I think it's more fun. Because it's kind of like a way to test out who has more knowledge of the game of Magic, of the specific game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saying, I, I know the game better, and so I was able to use its vocabulary to my advantage in this deal. It's all going to depend on who you're playing with. For me, I think it, it probably for you too, it, when we used to play D&D back in high school with Michael, I yeah. think we had like wishes, maybe just like a necklace of wishes or something like that. Oh yeah, and he would he would make sure to uh, follow it exactly how how you said it. So you had like it, it became like a game of how can I get what I want without any uh-huh. bad repercussions or at least minor negative repercussions. Dude, there are entire posts on our Dungeons and Dragons and our D and D and our RPG of DM saying, "Hey, in the comments, please give me wishes." So that I can practice monkey's pawing. Yeah. <laughs> give me, <laughs> give me, you know, be as specific as you can, be as pedantic as possible, so that I can still practice as a DM turning them against you in some way. It was pretty <laughs> funny. But I've seen lots of posts like yeah. that. Yeah. In our last episode, we said we would tell the people how our decks did this weekend. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. Benjamin, how about you start us off with your Zakama? 
companion Zerda. Yeah, so just to remind people what this deck challenge was, we each told the group what our most used color was, and then the uh, other people had to use all the colors that weren't theirs. So, for example, mine was black, Derek's was green, Randy's was white, so Travis had to do a black-green-white deck. Mine was a red-green-white deck, because Travis's was red, and so my deck was Zakama with a Zerda companion, which makes all activated abilities cheaper, and it ended up winning, pulling it out at the last minute, because as you already heard, Randy killed him, freeing me up to go infinite and kill the board that way. Yeah, Randy killed my Drana and Linvala stacks piece, which deactivates all activated abilities, which is what Benjamin's entire deck was. Yeah, the whole on. deck is activated abilities. Zerda said, for those of you who don't know, Zerda is a companion that in order to use it that way, in order to be able to play him as a companion, every card in your deck has to have an activated ability. And so that basically shut down the entire theme of the deck. And I was still playing you know, big creatures and stuff like that, but it was Zakama is a nine nine vigilance trample a, haste. A nine nine vigilance or, trample haste. Yeah. yeah. And nobody had an answer to that. Oh, uh, not haste, reach. Reach. Yes. Right, reach. exactly. Oh, I was thinking yeah. Gishath. So I was still able to stay alive, which is why I outlasted you, because your creatures were dying and your creatures as they died would become enchantments. You had a whole bunch of enchantments that were calling causing all of all of us misery, but you did not have uh, you did not have any defenders. Yeah, so. I can uh, talk about my deck next. I do want to, you know, let people know I didn't stick Drana and Linvala in there specifically, knowing that it was gonna turn off Benjamin's entire deck. I had actually made Miracle Lord of Bones. I had made that deck before Zerda was uh, before Zakama Zerda was revealed. It was just a general good stacks yeah. piece to put in. And that's kind of how I designed my Miracle deck. So Miracle's effect is that whenever a creature you control dies, it gets exiled, and you get a token copy of it that is an enchantment and no longer a creature. So I picked a lot of creatures that had great static abilities. My ramp package in that deck was all mana dorks, which... If you're uninitiated in magic, that just means a creature that can tap for mana. So I play them early in the game. They function as normal, as creatures that can also tap for mana. But then once they die, they come back as enchantments that tap for mana. They still have the same ability, so it doesn't matter that they died. I'm not down any. I'm not down any of my mana ramp. Yeah. And then I also chose a bunch of creatures with good static abilities. Some would give my creatures buffs some would give my opponent's creatures debuffs which Derek mentioned was one of his downfalls some of the creatures i have in there are creatures like elish norn grand cenobite which gives all your opponent's creatures minus two minus two i have Kervek the spiteful who gives all your opponent's creatures minus one minus one and drana and linvala which shuts off activated abilities and just general things like that with the idea being this is a great creature, and even if it dies, I'm going to keep its yeah. ability. It also comes with a suite of sacrifice effects, which are going to enable me to rescue a creature if it's about to be exiled or something. I can sacrifice it, get its token copy, and not have to worry about losing it for good. And as we said, the deck worked out really well 
until Randy got over my lack of defenses with his Wasitora Nekoru Queen. I believe I built this deck and it's mainly basically a Voltron deck. Mm -hmm. So Wasatora, she is a cat dragon with flying and trample. And whenever she deals combat damage to a player, that player sacrifices a creature. If they can't, then I get a 3-3 cat dragon token with flying. So it's mainly just I want to fly and trample over. Even if they have flyers, I want to make my creature as big as possible using a bunch of artifacts. So I'm hitting for 12 with double strike and all sorts of fun stuff like that. The double strike is what got me in a couple times. Because I would have so few creatures out anyway. And then when Wasitora would hit me twice, I would have to sacrifice whatever leftover creatures I had. Yeah. Like the one or two creatures I had, it was just going to shed my board. In addition to taking all the damage from her in the first place. Mm-hmm. So Wasitora was a really good counter to my deck. Yeah, I was trying to look to see if I had any more other creatures that game that really took any, like, mattered, but looking through it, no, I really didn't have... <laughs> oh, Wasitora <laughs> was pretty much the only thing I played that game, along with stuff to beef her up. Yeah, yeah. who knew Wasitora was, with the Fire Shrieker was going to be uh, such a house to, to get through. Yeah. And it, ju- and it just shredded my board whenever she would attack. Yeah. Other than that, she, I feel like she was mostly a one-trick pony. The game of just attack. It, it, it's really, a, a, I guess, a simple deck. I'm sure there's a lot better ways to build her. But I'm a simple man. A simple <laughs> taste. So, Derek, tell us about your deck. So, I played Extis Orik Overlord from Strixhaven. He's a 2-4 double strike. He's got Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy, that part's important, an instant or sorcery spell, return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So, the whole deck is about one, two, or three CMC creatures. Very cheap stuff. It's aristocrats, but it's kind of a weird mix where it's not creature heavy, but it's also not spell heavy because I need both to get the ball rolling. I use card draw spells, uh, like cathartic reunion cost a red and one as an additional cost mm-hmm. to cast this spell discard two cards so i just you know discard two creature cards or whatever it doesn't matter and that's just part of the cost so those have already hit the graveyard before it triggers exodus and i just get those creatures right back out of my graveyard for free that is so cool man yeah how you're able to just say hey not a cost at all i get those creatures immediately back. yeah i don't think i ever got to them in that game but there are also some red white and black creatures that have adventure which is you know pretty easy i cast them they go to exile and then i get someone else and then i could play the creature and the idea is to you know sacrifice those oh, and wow keep, that's really keep cool. playing those over and over <laughs> but yeah it, that's neat it's a lot of one two three cmc creatures most of them have death touch like a lot of the kind of normally garbage creatures so i had good blockers the entire time i think rainy was too scared to attack me with wasitora because i would chump block with a vampire nighthawk flying death touch life link but travis had played the ethereal absolution which gives uh, creatures minus one minus one and that's like two-thirds of my deck so i couldn't really get anything going because everything would die as soon as it came to the battlefield so once Travis was gone, I was able to just explode yeah. with Dockside Extortionist and other things. I got like Sir Conrad out and I was just draining. That's how I killed Randy was draining him over and over with Sir Conrad. And then Benjamin was able to win with infinite mana on this turn. I didn't have anything to stop it with. You did have something to stop it with a little bit. I forgot what it was. Oh, or maybe, oh, I think the first time I attempted infinite mana is because one of Randy's cards was helping me. And then I had to play a... Oh, yeah, I... 
So you killed yeah, I had him. Some kind of. Oh yeah, that's right. I forget which it was, cards it was. What the exact? Well, he had a card was. that made everything cheaper for everybody. That's right. That's what it that's was. That's what it was. That's right. Yep. Helm of Awakening. Helm of Awakening. Helm of Awakening. Yeah, that's Spells right. Cost Helm of one Awakening less. is what yeah. it was called. All spells cost yeah. one. Less. But thankfully, once you killed Randy in response to me starting the loop, but that gave me just enough mana because I had two mana floating from that to cast a spell that got me two extra mana and allowed me to go to f- keep going. So that yeah, it was a good game. It was My deck yeah, did better than I thought it was. going It was do. a really good game. I I did enjoy yeah. it. Seems like I, I think all of our decks really did the thing, and then just the natural course of who can generate more value and who can pump the aggression and just the natural give and take and push and pull yep, and of who, a game and who it can was convince really fun. whom that travis is the real threat and not zakama oh <laughs> yeah okay and then we played our five yeah. cmc game uh it's mana value oh, now yeah. guys it's mana value uh, what's the difference you will not find me being grumpy about our five mana value challenge at no, all no well really because <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? No, oh. I'm not being sarcastic. My deck oh, right. won both times. Although I, I feel like <laughs> yeah. Derek's deck was the monster. <sighs> it really came back to bite me second time around. Yeah. So Derek, you start us off with this Okay, one. so my deck was a plus one, plus one counters theme. Five colors using Kenrith, the return king, as the commander. He's got a ton of little keywords. He's just really good value. Gets the ball rolling. If you ever stall out, it lets you get trample and haste, lets you get a counter, lets you gain life if you're about to die, lets you draw a card draw if you cards. stall out, and you can recur creatures from the graveyard. So, I mean, it's five colors. I, I think I was telling you guys that there's the most expensive land base I've ever made with, I guess, cards I already had. I'm just... Uh, it feels pretty cool, right? To stick those, to stick a deck like that in Architect and be like, ooh, like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my Sisse deck is like that. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it's it's nothing like crazy or anything. It's just plus one, plus one counters. But Benjamin was able to, you know, it's, it's almost no tap land. So he came off the starting line hot with some ramp. And then I, I think by like turn three, you were already putting like game winning pressure on the board. Yeah. I think we should clarify. So what we did was we built, we built decks where all the commanders cost five. But no one knew what they were, and we traded those decks with each other so that we were playing someone else's deck, and we did not know what the commander was. And we we made a deal that when we reached five mana, we could play that commander, and then we would see what it was when we cast it. So none of us knew what commander we were even playing until we cast it. Yeah, like, we were just kind of looking through our opening hands and thinking, what is this deck's game plan? What are the pieces I'm seeing? Man, what commander could it be that's going to turn all this on and stuff like that? It was really fun. Mm -hmm. It was exciting. Yeah, I had a really good time. It was fun to try to guess, even though I got it wrong every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Derek's deck was Kenrith the Returned King, and Benjamin played it first. Mm -hmm. Benjamin, tell us about your deck. And I was the one who played. Yeah, and the the fact that this deck was played secretly did kind of neuter part of its game plan. But now that we all know what it is, that it'll work. And so I played Avacyn the Purifier. Well, Avacyn, what's the front side called? (laughs) Is it like Archangel Avacyn? Well, I don't I don't remember because the whole the whole deck is basically built around the back side. This is the Avacyn that flips from from a white angel to a red angel. It is Archangel Avacyn. Okay, so Archangel Avacyn. She has flash, and when she when she comes into play, all your creatures gain indestructible until end of turn, and that's why not knowing that you had that, you're just gonna play it on your turn and kind of waste it. But what she does is she says, when one of your creatures dies, 
you transform her at the beginning of the next turn and she does three damage to every creature in each opponent and so the deck has a lot of creatures that sacrifice themselves or whatever in order to you know you can just flip her when you feel like it and a lot of things that say you know when one of your creatures deals damage it deals double or it deals an extra one or it also deals it to something else or and, and basically the whole idea is you play her you flip her and you shoot so much damage around the board that you, you've done 20 damage to each person and cleared their board. And you've got a huge flying angel and hopefully some things that have survived. And when Travis played it, it didn't really go off. I mean, he did manage to flip Avacyn and clear the board. But by then, I had made the, the Kenrith deck got too big with plus one, plus one counters. Yeah, it was too big for the damage to, to do much. I will say that when... Benjamin piloted this deck for the second battle. It worked really it well. It really good. And it was keeping the board clear for a long time. Just with some interactions like... Uh, what what was the Spear Chucker yeah, it was, card? Was I, I don't even remember. It's a card I would never play except in a deck like this. It's a one-mana goblin with Defender, but you can tap it to deal one damage to each player, which includes yourself. And so I was using that, and then I had a card that said if a red source you control would deal damage, it deals double that damage instead. So now it was doing two damage to everybody and then i had another thing that said whenever something you control deals damage it deals that much damage plus one so now it's dealing three damage to everybody and then i had a card that says if you deal non-combat damage to an opponent this card deals that much damage to a creature that player controls well the way that worked is i would tap my my goblin to deal three damage to everybody but let's say that includes Travis, right? Well, then my thing would be doing three damage to something, which then would get doubled and plus one again. So it, it would deal seven damage to his creature. And so it's that sort of interaction that that the whole deck is built around, right? You flip Avacyn and you deal three damage to a creature and three damage to a player, which would then do three damage to something else and basically just blow up all sorts of stuff. Spear, spear spewer, there you go. Yeah, because it just shoots out a spirit in every direction. Yeah. I was inspired based on how that game went. I'm, I'm going to tweak this Avacyn deck a little bit. But I think it, it was fun to play when I played it, and it was fun to watch Travis try to figure out, like, what exactly can I do with this Avacyn? And it's fun. Yeah, yeah. it was neat. Boros Burn. Yeah. I, like I thought it. it was really neat, too, and it actually inspired me to start thinking about a new deck. Uh, oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> we create our own monsters. <laughs> yes, we do. I'll go next so that we don't end on a bad note. <laughs> okay. I did the Archimandrite. It sucked <laughs> both games. Can't wait to take it apart. But what it was supposed to do is, on your upkeep, you gain X life, where X is the number of cards in your hand, minus four. The idea is to put a lot of cards in your hand, gaining life. What does gaining life do? It says whenever you gain life, each advisor, artificer, and monk I control gains vigilance and gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the amount of life I gained. And then you could tap three artificers, advisors, and or monks and draw a card. Well, this commander feels like it just has everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a bunch, you know, yeah. but it's, but it just, I don't know. I probably could have built it better. I thought I put a lot of card draw in there. Wasn't getting it. Yeah. So yeah. I was just kind of like playing top deck. And if I'm top decking, you know, just basically just each turn. All right. The card I draw that turn is this. And if it wasn't a creature of any kind, then that. 
made it harder to do my card draw, which made it harder to do life gain, which made it harder right. to then attack. So it, it has its own little circle of like feeding itself. And once you get it going, I'm sure it'll be great. But I didn't do it, so I don't <laughs> know. It's the worst deck oh, I built. No. I'm going to oh say ever. I'm gonna I'm gonna say my original Glissa deck when I first started was better than this. <laughs> oh god. Braga with twenty whatever lands was better than this. So. Maybe it just needs a few more games. I, I have no comment. Wow. Yeah, Derek was the one who played it. Yeah. Derek played it first. It did nothing. I played it next. It did nothing. To be fair. Maybe next time we get together, we can lay it out. Yeah, to be fair, with that second time, I was basically killing everything you played. It wasn't really your deck's yeah. fault so much as my deck went yeah. off yeah. quickly. That's fair, too. But still, I think the yeah, way you cause... workshop this is to take it back behind the workshop <laughs> and give it the old old yeller. Oh. Oh, <laughs> so now we'll talk about the deck that won both battles, and that is Uriel the Mist Stalker. This is an oldie. Uriel the Mist Stalker is one of the OG old commander cards that came out before Commander really, really got big, but boy, he's he was good enough. He is a 5-5 beast for 5 mana in Naya colors, red, white, green. He has Hexproof, and he says that he gets plus 2, plus 2 for each aura attached to him. So this was classic Voltron, but with all of the new Commander supports for enchantment-based Voltron. It was so much fun to have new supporting cards in there, like Zenk from the Dungeons & Dragons Secret Lair. It was awesome to have just a ton of the old favorites. Benjamin, what was the, what's the aura that gives him plus oh, one of pro creatures? Spirit Mantle. Just some really classic stuff that gave him a ton of power. There's not a bunch of creatures in the deck. There's, I think, less than 10 creatures in the deck. But the deck will basically work no matter what creature you land on the battlefield. Because as long as you're getting auras to protect that creature, then it's going to be able to swing in and do just fine. Some backup commanders I have in there are creatures like Sigarda, who also has Hexproof, is a 5-5 flying Hexproof, and Sigarda says spells and affects your opponent's control can't cause you to sacrifice things, which is really one of the few weaknesses that Uriel would have, and I was so glad that I didn't come up against it. I was sure that somebody was going to have a Fleshback Marauder in one of their decks, but it never came up, so... Uriel basically was just fine the whole time. Nice. Felt yeah. really good, because Randy was able to pilot him to a win... Yeah. And then I was able to pilot him to a win also. Cool. Yeah. Felt great. Any final comments for this week's episode about making deals or about our deck building challenges? No, I think it's very clear that we have a good time building decks and we should never break a deal. Again, this is my mythical meta's standpoint. We don't break deals with each other and we think that it keeps our meta healthier. Yeah. We think we are a happier friend group who is more willing to play more games with each other again in the future if we don't break deals. And we think strangers should be treated with that same dignity yes. and that same respect. Benjamin, you got a word of wisdom for us? Yeah, I'm going to double down on something we talked about earlier, which is that when you're playing with people, right, and you're you're building relationships even if it's strangers and even if you don't expect to play with them again, gaming and social cues and all the things that you do with other people are building habits. You're affecting people's lives. You're doing things 
that are building you in some way and building others in a certain way. And this week we talked about honesty and we talked about honor, but it could be anything. Find out what you care about, right? Do you care about being honorable, about being trustworthy, about being you know, someone whose word is their bond? Or do you care about winning? If you care about winning more than you care about honor, then that's going to show up in other areas of your life. And just be careful. And you might run out of people to play games with. Absolutely. Or you'll get people who will only play with you as the arch enemy. And you'll stop having as much fun. You'll win less because you chose to win now. And so just keep in mind that your actions have consequences and they are not limited to your game. Try to cultivate the same attitudes the same habits the same character traits in your gaming that you want in the rest of your life and both your game your game group and your life will be better for it and now for Derek's words of anti-capitalism yeah so here's your words of wisdom after dark everything we've said you should do the complete (laughs) opposite if this is for your work you should always be lying to your job (laughs) never be honest because they will never be honest with you I legit always be today. lying to HR. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, HR is there for the company, not for you. True. I legit saw a thing today, and it was a comedian saying, "The more you lie as an employee, the worse you are as an employee, but the better manager you become." <laughs> and then it was like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was like you're a worse employee, but you become a better manager. And then it went from like manager to sales rep. Because they need to lie a lot. And then after sales rip, it was HR. Wow. It was pretty funny. Derek, that was beautiful. <laughs> Derek, that might be your crowning jewel so far. That's the one they'll remember me for. <laughs> That's what big business doesn't want you to know. <laughs> Listeners, if you have different opinions about making and breaking deals, please let us Keep know. Yourself. No. <laughs> Don't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, let us know. Send send in your comments. We are happy to take direct messages straight to our email at mymythicalmeta at eldoradogaming.com. Or comment on YouTube. Listen. I do see the comments. I do respond yes, to them. Yes, comments on YouTube. We do respond. I also wanted to add at the end of this episode a poll or a question specifically to people who listen to the show through YouTube. We do include card images and game images. The episodes also occasionally include memes. (laughs) And my question is, if you're listening to the pod through YouTube, are you actually watching the video? And do you actually get any added enjoyment through little memes or added comments i'm the one who edits those and puts those together and it's not much but it does take time as crappy as that video looks it does take time (laughs) to put it together so whatever comments you have i am happy to uh to take in stride and make adjustments for it thank you guys as always for being my great friends and thank you listeners for sticking with us for another episode we'll see you again next week Good night. Bye. Later. Peace. This episode was sponsored by Eldorado Gaming. Use the promo code META for 10% off your order. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share. This episode was edited by me, Travis Konashek, and our intro and outro music is by Tyler Heath of the Oh Hellos.